Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great day so far. I actually woke up this morning with an overwhelming heaviness that I couldn't seem to shake. I ended up going to adoration after work today to spend an hour with the Lord in prayer and solitude, and I'm very, very fortunate to have a church that has an adoration chapel open after hours because I feel a ton better now. The heaviness I felt all day has been lifted. Glory to God. And I'm very grateful. Seek him at all times, you guys. He will always fill you with the peace that you need. But anyway, I want to know where everyone's from because I was looking at my analytics and I saw that all of my listeners were from the U.S., mainly the West Coast, but I see that I do have some listeners putting the East Coast on the map as well. So hey, shout out East Coast. (laughs) I'm from Washington State and the weather here has been terrible lately. Gloomy skies and harsh winds all day, every day. But you know what? It gives me an excuse to extend my evening tea time by the fire, so I really can't complain. At the end of the day, I'm grateful to be alive and well. So anyway, today is Theology Thursday, and as I stated in the last episode, we will be covering chapter two today. And before I get into the chapter here, I do want to apologize for the technical issue in the last episode. I have no idea why there's a duplicate clip of me clarifying what an epistle is. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) But I apologize that that even happened, and I thank you all so much for bearing with me as I navigate through this podcasting world. I am clearly, clearly a novice. (laughs) Um, The perfectionist in me really wanted to remove the episode altogether and republish it, but I resisted the urge to do so because I figured... I'd show some transparency with my listeners because I am not perfect and we are on this journey together. So again, I thank you all so much for showing me so much grace. I I really do truly appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get started here. Just like in the last episode, I want to go ahead and start this episode off by defining a few terms. I realize that I mentioned the word bishop a few times in the last episode, but I didn't clarify what a bishop is and what the role of the bishop entails. So my apologies for that. I am going to go ahead and do that today since I failed to do that last time. So bishop is a common term that Catholics and Orthodox are familiar with. And actually, there are several Protestant sects that have bishops as well, such as the Anglican Church. And I believe Lutherans as well. The role of the bishop is to shepherd the faithful and to teach the faith, much like priests and pastors. However, the role of the bishop differs because he oversees the ministerial and administrative life of the diocese he governs. So to put it in a more simplified term... He's the boss of all the priests in his diocese. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what a diocese is, a diocese is a territory the bishop oversees. The bishop is a successor of one of the 12 apostles that Jesus had selected to carry out the mission of his church. So when you hear the term apostolic succession excuse me, being thrown around in theological discussions among Christian apologists, theologians, and biblical scholars, it's typically in reference to those that can trace their ordination back to one of the 12 apostles. Every single bishop in the Catholic and Orthodox Church can trace back their line of succession to one of the Twelve Apostles, and that is super cool. To summarize, the bishop is called to a threefold office, to teach, to govern, and to sanctify. And as we dive further into the letters of Ignatius, we'll get more into the role of the bishop and how Ignatius exercised his role in the early church. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into chapter two. The chapter is titled Exhortations. Oh, and spoiler alert, the next two chapters after this are also titled Exhortations, so just look out for that. Anyway, if you'd like to follow along with the reading, I'll have the chapter in the description box for you, or if you'd like to read ahead, you can find the entire epistle on the Early Christian Writing website, and I know I said it in the previous episode, but I am not a certified apologist or a theologian, you guys. I am only relaying information from the research that I've done. 
My hope here is that this theology series ignites a desire in you to want to delve further into the roots of Christianity and strengthen your relationship with God. So let's go ahead and get into the reading here for real this time. So chapter two reads, If thou lovest the good disciples, no thanks are due to thee on that account, but rather seek by meekness to subdue the more troublesome. Every kind of wound is not healed with the same plaster. Mitigate violent attacks of disease by gentle applications. Be in all things wise as a serpent and harmless always as a dove. For this purpose thou art composed of both soul and body, art both fleshly and spiritual, that thou mayest correct those evils that present themselves visibly before thee, and as respects those that are not seen, mayest pray that these should be revealed to thee, so that thou mayest be wanting in nothing, but mayest abound in every gift. The times call upon thee to pray, for as the wind aids the pilot of a ship, and as havens are advantageous for safety to a tempest-tossed vessel, so is also prayer to thee, in order that thou mayest attain to God. Be sober as an athlete of God, whose will is immortality and eternal life, of which thou art also persuaded. In all things may my soul be for thine, and my bonds also, which thou hast loved. End quote. Okay, so this chapter is pretty straightforward. It is a little wordy, but Ignatius is clear with what he's urging. He's wanting us to be steadfast in our faith, to be wise in our words and the way we move as Christians, and to do all things in love. He says, If thou lovest the good disciples, no thanks are due to thee on that account, but rather seek by meekness to subdue the more troublesome. End quote. So that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Those that are already holding to what the dis- uh, excuse me, the apostles had taught and truly loved the Lord are already walking in the right direction. They're guided by the light of Christ. It's the second half of his statement that draws my attention. He says to seek by meekness to subdue the more troublesome. Bib- biblically speaking, what does it mean to be meek? To be meek is to be gentle in spirit, to be quiet and submissive, to be patient, to be peaceful, and to be docile. The meek avoid disputes and prefer harmony. Ignatius here is telling us, not asking, but advising Polycarp and all of us really, to correct and love. Those that are troubled in spirit are the very people we should seek to help and bring the good news to so that they too shall be saved. But this has to be done with a gentle and loving heart. Ignatius then follows up by saying that every kind of wound is not healed with the same plaster. Mitigate violent attacks of disease by gentle applications. Be in all things wise as a serpent and harmless always as a dove. End quote. Man, this man was incredible. Yes, at face value, this advice is quite obvious to Christians because we're taught from the very beginning to love our neighbors and to turn the other cheek. However, let's read this in the context of a first century Jew that's on their way to their execution. Let's envision the era for a quick second. Christianity was at its beginning roots. It was going through the growing pains. Christians were heavily being persecuted for practicing their faith. There was no Bible at the time. The early church relied on the Tanakh and the teachings that were passed down by the apostles. So while we are fortunate to live in an age where we can reference multiple sources at the snap of our fingers, the early church did not have that luxury. Despite this, Ignatius being escorted to his death is preaching and telling us to be wise in how we approach those that vindicate us and to be sure as to not bring them harm, but rather display a gentle heart instead. And if you guys can recall what the role of the bishop is from earlier in this episode, I want to encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what Ignatius is saying here and correlate it to his role as bishop. Because we see bishops as shepherds. And notice here how even as he journeys to his execution, he teaches of love, of gentleness, and urges the pursuance of the troubled. And it's important to note here that bishops are also priests, and they are 
the pastors not only for the baptized, but they are also pastors for those that are not baptized as well. In the scriptures, Jesus teaches of the shepherd bringing back one of his lost sheep, and he later tells us that heaven rejoices over the repentance of one sinner over 99 righteous men that don't need repentance. And if you're wondering, that's from Luke 15, 7. So anyway, as Christians, we are called to love all, especially those that are troubled. Ignatius here displays a level of absolute humility that is difficult for many of us. At the face of death, he's telling us to be gentle when we approach those that vindicate and persecute us. And think of it this way. If you're chasing after a lost sheep, what do you think will be more effective? Aggressiveness or gentleness? Sure, perhaps if one is aggressive, the sheep may follow, but it's going to do so begrudgingly. Excuse me, begrudgingly. And that's kind of like a person who's forced into something that their heart's not in. However, if you do so with gentleness and love, trust will be built and the sheep will come to know the voice and face of a shepherd. Much like humans, except when it comes to us, when our heart is in it, the voice we hear and obey is Jesus. Okay, take a breather. (laughs) On to the next couple of lines. Ignatius then says, For this purpose, thou art composed of both body and soul, art both fleshly and spiritual, that thou mayest correct those evils that present themselves visibly before thee, and as respects those that are not seen, mayest pray that these should be revealed to thee, so that thou mayest be wanting in nothing, but mayest abound in every gift. The times call upon thee to pray, for as the wind aids the pilot of a ship, and as havens are advantageous for safety to a tempest-tossed vessel, so is also prayer to thee, in order that thou mayest attain to God." End quote. (sighs) Wow. You guys, I can't even begin to describe how much I love what he says here. In the previous statements that Ignatius makes, we're encouraged to make an instrument, we're encouraged to be an instrument of peace while correcting others and bringing the gospel to them so that they may come to know Christ. But that's not where the battle ends. As sinners ourselves, we all face temptations in our lives. Think of what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We are called to practice what we preach and follow the teachings passed down to us both by sacred scripture and tradition. And Ignatius knows that we will all face different variations of evil and we are to tackle them and overcome them with goodness. Likewise, we will all face spiritual battles as well. And these are more challenging because they remain unseen, they li- but they live within our hearts and our minds. The devil is tricky and will try to disrupt the peace of those seeking holiness, but here Ignatius reminds us that prayers are efficacious. Prayer is the most important thing that we can do. Here he teaches that prayers are advantageous to us. It is through prayer attaining to God that we receive revelations of the troubles that are unseen. So like a a good shepherd, we are told to help not just those who are in need, but to remain prayerful at all times that we may attain to God. Okay, (laughs) I know this is kind of a lot, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. The last following statements that Ignatius makes are be sober as an athlete of God, whose will is immortality and eternal life, of which thou art also persuaded, and all things may my soul be for thine, and my bonds also, which thou hast loved. End quote. All right. So lots of these and thous in this last section, but I'm sure most of you understand the general gist of what he's saying. He's telling us to be athletes of God, a sober one. Of course, we know he's not referencing alcohol or any other, anything of the like when he tells us to be sober. He's saying to have a clear mind as we live out our faith vigilantly and continue to spread the mission of Christ. 
We do this due to our faith in the promise of eternal life in paradise with our Father. And like a good shepherd, Ignatius finalizes his second chapter saying, In all things may my soul be for thine, and my bonds also which thou hast loved. This is such a beautiful display of humility and absolute surrender to the will of God. This is the example he sets in his second chapter. To strive for holiness and surrender our whole being to God and acknowledging that God loves us so much despite our sinful nature that he sent his only son to bear the wounds of our transgressions to save us. Wow. <laughs> well, you guys, that wraps about, that about wraps up today's episode of Theology Thursday. I am very much tongue-tied now. <laughs> if you're still here, thank you so much for joining me again today. I know we're only about two chapters into the letter, but I hope some of you are starting to understand why Ignatius is my, my absolute favorite church father. His writings and his story are an exemplary representation of Christian discipleship. Anyway, I look forward to hanging out with all of you again soon. If you're here for all the episodes I drop, I'll see you tomorrow. Otherwise, if you're here just for the theology, then I'll catch you on Tuesday. I hope you all have an incredible rest of your night. Let's go ahead and close off with a prayer by Cardinal John Henry Newman. So if you'll please join me, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O Lord, support us all the day long until the shadows lengthen, and the evening comes, and the busy world is hushed, and the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in your mercy grant us a safe lodging and a holy rest, and peace at the last. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you guys so much. Peace be with you.